Dr. Michael Weiss thought he'd seen it all in his years as a psychiatrist in New York City, but he never expected a 19-year-old to show up at his office with a 10-pound sledgehammer and a kitchen knife. And even stranger is what happens next. After beating Dr. Michael within an inch of his life, the teenager stops to take a selfie. Why? The answer will shock you. Let's recap. One minute, psychiatrist Michael Weiss is in a session with a patient. The next minute, he gets a surprise visit from his son's live-in babysitter, 19-year-old Jake Nolan. He says he's there to pick up some paperwork for his son's school, but he... He's got something much darker in mind. While Michael's hunting for the forms, Jake ducks into his bathroom and pulls out a 10-pound sledgehammer and a kitchen knife out of his duffel bag. And when he swings at Michael, it's fight or flight, and his intended victim chooses fight. So Michael dodges the sledgehammer, but he can't avoid the knife. He is stabbed eight times, but he's not out. He's fending off blows, struggling for control of the knife. The attacker... Okay, yes, he's younger, but who cares? Michael's bigger. So slowly but surely, Michael starts to gain some ground, and the fight spills out into the hallway where neighbors hear the brawls, a big city high-rise, and they call 911. Now, bizarrely, as they're laying there, they're both injured and weak, Jake takes a selfie. This is selfie. And he sends it off to someone. What the? Things aren't going great in Michael's life. Now, even before the November 12th, 2012 attack, he's been spending a lot of time in family court battling his ex-girlfriend for custody and visitation rights of their four-year-old son. They probably should not have been surprised it ended up this way. He and his ex, Pamela Buckbinder, always had a volatile relationship, off and on, up and down, allegations of abuse from her and him. Finally, he took the advice he gave his clients. Just leave, end it, move on. So the relationship might have finally gone down in flames, but at least it left him with one amazing, irreplaceable thing, their son. So as bitter as their custody fights were, he and Pamela agreed on one thing. They both want the best for their boy. Or so Michael thinks. As a gesture of goodwill, Michael made Pamela the custodian of a massive life insurance policy he took out for their son. See, insurance companies can't just hand over money to kids. In this case, $1.5 million. So even though their son is the beneficiary of the policy, Pamela is the responsible adult in charge of the money. If, if something happened to Michael. Well, it's a done deal on paper on November 9th. Three days later, Michael's fighting for his life. Jake is the youngest son of a successful South Florida real estate investor. Kid is smart, he's funny, he's likable. So what the, what gives? Why did Jake attack Michael? This is where the story takes a turn for the bizarre. Though Jake is this typical rich 19 year old in most ways, but one. He's been dealing with severe bipolar disorder since high school and his parents are, they're plenty worried. They've had Jake committed, they've tried a cocktail of meds, but nothing seems to be working. They're at their wit's end when all of a sudden, help steps in. Dr. Pamela Buckbinder. She's a well-respected psychiatrist. She's also Jake's cousin. Now, her solution to his problems was non-traditional. Jake moved into her luxury Manhattan apartment. In exchange... For intense therapy sessions and round-the-clock monitoring of his meds, he helped take care of her son. At first, it seemed like a dream solution. Jake and Pamela grew close, and with her son, they formed a happy little family. A little too happy, given the fact that they were cousins and patient doctor. Pamela tells Jake all the time how brilliant and amazing he is, how much she loves him when he's gone, she misses him terribly. 
It's all part of the plan, Jake says. She complained about her son's father, Michael. Comments like, Michael isn't paying child support to these darker allegations that he was molesting their son. And always playing in the background was the Beatles song, Maxwell's Silver Hammer. She had wild fantasies about punishing Michael. Fantasies that Jake says turned into the foundations of a plan. As Jake told 48 Hours, Pamela was determined for me to torture Michael before killing him. She wanted me to inject him with poisonous chemicals. She wanted to burn him alive in front of a group of people. In the end, Jake did not have the heart to tell her he didn't want to torture anyone, but he did make it clear that sure, no problem, he would kill for her. Though Pamela denies doing or saying anything of the sort, but she can't deny what happened next. On November 11th, 2012, Pamela took Jake shopping at Home Depot. Security cameras caught the two of them at the cash register where Pamela paid cash for a sledgehammer and zip ties. I swear to God, if anybody's checking out with a hammer and zip ties in front of you, you better just give them a wide berth. Because later that night, they went home and she drew Jake a map of the building where Michael lived and worked. The next morning, November 12th, Jake says his cousin slash therapist packed a duffel bag with the sledgehammer, the zip ties, a knife, and the map, and sent him out with the words, today is the day, life is going to be so much better after Michael is terminated. Except Jake couldn't pull it off. He sent Pamela that bloody selfie. What should he do next? She did not respond. Oh, Jake was arrested for attempted murder, and he spent the next four days recovering in the hospital before bonding out and flying back to Florida to stay with his parents until the trial. Well, Michael is no dummy. He suspects that his ex is the real mastermind behind the attack. So the pictures of Pamela buying a sledgehammer at Home Depot, same sledgehammer that he got beat with, that helped convince the family court to give him full custody. She wasn't officially charged with anything at that time, but she was blocked from having any contact with their son. Well, Jake's trial started in March of 2016. His defense? His psychiatrist, Pamela Buckbinder, talked him into murder, except she wasn't subpoenaed to testify for or against him. No one could find her. It took the jury less than an hour to decide that Jake wasn't some brainwashed cult member. This kid knew exactly what he was doing when he showed up at Michael's apartment, and he got nine and a half years. But what about Pamela? Well, it took another year to nab her. In 2017, she was charged with attempted murder, to which she pleaded not guilty. But unlike her cousin, Pamela didn't get to bond out of jail. She stayed behind bars until she took a plea deal in 2022. The deal agreed to drop the attempted murder charge if she admitted to first-degree attempted assault and burglary. After five years in Rikers Island, she jumped at it. If it went to trial, she was looking at up to 25 years. But then she changed her mind. A month later in court, she claimed, you guys, she claimed that she wasn't in her right mind when she took the deal. The way that she tells it, she skipped her meds that day, and then she was exposed to mace, and then she got a contact high on the prison bus when another prisoner was smoking something, smoking drugs. Yeah. The judge went ahead with sentencing. Pamela is going to be in prison until at least 2027, but her ex can't stop looking over his shoulder anyway. Because in his impact statement, Michael says, I continue to believe she will do anything in her power to harm me, regardless of the consequences, regardless of any damage that she's caused. Dang, when love goes bad, it goes really bad. 
And that's your recap. Thanks for hanging out with us today. If you like getting all the crime in half the time, go ahead and tap that subscribe button so you never miss a story. But don't go away. Catch up on more recaps right here, right now. Until next time, take care.